Amen. I think there must be something about living in Oxford that makes lovers inventive. When our son, Alistair, decided to woo his now wife, Liz, he did it by sending her a text message, a treasure hunt through the Song of Songs on Valentine's Day. When Ollie decided to propose to Natasha, our student intern last year, he enlisted the help of several others and sent her on a treasure hunt around the city before making his proposal to her at the top of the St. Aldate's church tower, complete with champagne and violins. How could she say no? When love wants to find a way to communicate, it goes to great lengths to find a way. And it's just like that with God. We're in this little series running up to Christmas, going through this first bit of John's Gospel. And today we're thinking about the miracle of the method by which God chose to communicate his love. A couple of weeks ago, Murray was speaking on those first verses. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus, the Word of God, who spoke and galaxies whirled into place. Stars burned in the heavens, and planets began orbiting their suns. Then when the time was right, Jesus again spoke, and he came in flesh to speak to a speck in the universe called the planet Earth. I've been out and about doing a couple of home communions this week, and I've been really struck by a phrase in the Advent communion liturgy. This is what it says. For when he humbled himself to come amongst us in human flesh, he fulfilled the plan you formed before the foundation of the world to open for us the way of salvation. It's an amazing thought, isn't it, that as we celebrate at Christmas the birth of a baby, God's own son, this is actually the outworking of a plan that God had formed since before the foundation of the world. Incredibly inventive. There's no limit to the length that God was prepared to go, the risks he was prepared to take to communicate his love. And John, in this climax of this wonderful opening to his gospel, is telling us about it. Verse 14, this is what it says. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And what we need to remember is that when John's writing this, he's writing as the the testimony of someone who is an eyewitness, Remember, he lived with Jesus for three years. And he goes on to tell us more about what that was like at the opening to one of his letters. Here's the first couple of verses of his first letter. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched. This is what we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared We have seen it and testified to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. It's true to say, isn't it, that people who live with us generally see the fullness of who we are, the not-so-good bits as well as the good bits. 
I'm sure I'm probably not the only one who's had a meltdown sometime this week. It's busy, isn't it, getting ready for Christmas? Really, really busy. And if you'd seen me at five o'clock on Wednesday morning, as Chris, my husband, did, full of grace and truth isn't exactly the words you'd use to describe (laughs) what I was like. I'd been lying awake in bed for over an hour already, just thinking, how on earth am I going to get everything done for Christmas? The people who live with us see us in our fullness. And John had lived with Jesus. And this is what he said. We have seen him. He came from the Father full of grace and truth. And we've seen his glory. We've seen God's glory. He goes on to say, No one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only, who's at the Father's side, has made him known. The intimacy of relationship, of love that was shared, the Son shared with the Father and the Spirit from the very beginning means that when we see one, it's like seeing them all. The Apostle Paul puts it this way when he writes to the Christians in in Colossae. In Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. But that's not all. He goes on to say, and you have been given fullness in him. And really John's saying the same thing when he says this. From the fullness of his grace, we have all received one blessing after another. What we see in Jesus, God intends for us to have too. That's an amazing thought, isn't it? Last week, Sai was speaking about that verse in verse 12, where it talks about to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, to take up their inheritance as children of God. And their inheritance is that from the fullness of his grace, they and we should receive one blessing after another. There's no limit to the blessings that God wants to give. And these blessings include things like mercy, wisdom, forgiveness, peace, grace, truth, and love. These are the things that I definitely want on my Christmas wish list. And wouldn't it be wonderful if when people did look at us, they could say that they see that we're full of grace and truth? Wouldn't that be wonderful? that they see the glory of God revealed in and through us. Does that sound impossible to you? Well, you know it isn't. When Mary had that visit by the angel to tell her that she was going to give birth to God's son, he said to her, nothing is impossible with God. And the miracle of the method is that what happened to Mary can happen to us too. Okay, we might not physically give birth to God's son, But just as the life of God was birthed in her, it can be birthed in us too. I was thinking about that verse from one of our favourite hymns we often sing at Christmas, the Christmas carol, O Little Town of Bethlehem. And this is how the last verse goes. O holy child of Bethlehem, descend to us, we pray. Cast out our sin and enter in. Be born in us today. We hear the Christmas angels, the great glad tidings tell. O come to us, abide with us, O Lord Emmanuel. Love came down in the form of that tiny little baby whose birth we celebrate at Christmas. And it's a love that God wants us to enter into more fully, more deeply, more richly this Christmas. 
So in a moment, I'm going to give us an opportunity for that to happen. An invitation that comes for a moment of, of pause and reflection in the middle of all the busy Christmas preparations. It's an invitation that came to me when I went on an Advent retreat at Lee Abbey a few weeks ago. It was given to us and we were encouraged to write a response to it. So I've put on the table at the back some copies of this in case you want to take it away and look at it again and think about writing your own response. In Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form and you have been given fullness in him. No matter how much or how little of that fullness you already know, there's always more to be had. So this invitation comes to you this morning to taste and see that the Lord is good. And as I read it, I want to suggest that you just make yourselves comfortable. You might like to close your eyes just to concentrate on it. And as you hear these words, know that they come from God and may they be a blessing to you today. I am the Lord, your Saviour. I want you to enter my love. Yes, I want you so close to me that I can speak my love into your heart. I want to come to you as I came to Mary. I want to look on you as I looked on Mary. I am not looking at your greatness, nor at your attempts at asserting yourself or trying to stand out from others. I see your littleness. I see deep within you, behind all your various disguises, masks and roles. I see the child, my beloved child, who's hungry and cries for my love. Come to me. Rest in me. Stay with me. I am the Lord, your Saviour. I want to come to you now and enfold you with my love on all sides. I do not want to drill my love into your life. I want to bring it to birth in you. Mary's task is yours too. To receive Jesus into your life and to bring my love to birth into your world. In that way, I can use you as a channel for my love. Through you, I can love the people I send across your path. I can use your eyes to look at them with my goodness. I can use your ears to listen to them. I can use your mouth to speak to them. Rest now in my love. Then I can do great things for you too and through you.
We're going to have an opportunity to respond to that as we come to share bread and wine together, those tokens of God's love for us. We're going to stand and sing our next hymn. I'd like to invite you to make this your prayer response. Number 89, come down, O love divine. <clears throat>